This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. There is a lot of pressure on Miles, and it won't come from me. I just want Miles to be the best Miles Brennan he can be, and I'm not going to compare him to Joe Burrow now. If he's like Joe Burrow, I will not be disappointed, I promise you that. But you know what? That, you know, Joe Burrow the first year, you know, struggled a little bit. Uh, he wasn't the Heisman Trophy winner the first year. In the second year, he was a projected six-round draft choice. And then he got better and he developed throughout the year. So we're going to have to give time. I think Miles is a great quarterback. Is that all players have got to develop throughout the year? As far as on the road, that type of thing, maybe the best game day environment as far as traveling to it. You know, I mean, no, it's an excellent deal. That the fairgrounds was all filled up. You know, there were little old ladies with their grandchildren slipping off our bus. The uh, you get closer, they start rocking your bus. You know, then the history and tradition of that stadium. No, it's utterly outstanding. I looked up there at the dorms, trying to imagine uh, what it would have been like to live in the dorms they had the stadium back in the day. I'm not really worried about. You know, making sure I do what Joe did, you know, and, and making sure that I'm, you know, throwing as many touchdowns or breaking the records that he did. Uh, you know, I'm Miles Brennan, and, uh, you know, I'm not worried about what he did, and, and I'm not going to be following in his footsteps, you know, because it's, it's time for me to take my own path and write my own story, like I said. Welcome, everyone, to the Must Listen To Saturday Morning Sports Talk Show and all of Acadiana, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. We're coming to you live, as always, from the beautiful, palatial 103.7 The Game studios. And, baby, we are definitely looking good. Hopefully have a good one so far and make it a great one. With everything going on, it's going to be an awesome show today. Going only 90 minutes, a turbo edition of Under the Dome, if you will. And we're right here with you on 103.7 The Game, leading you up to the LSU-Mississippi State ball game. And trust me, that is going to be an absolutely great one. going to talk about that all throughout today's show. Before I get to what's causing all this, let's get to a big story that popped up earlier today that I don't think our guy, Louis Prejean, really got to over the last, let's say, 20 minutes. He's just kind of popped up at about 10.30. News about LSU cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. hospitalized overnight. Don't worry. It's not COVID-related, according to the statement that came out from LSU. He, it was hours before the season opener. It's coming up at 2.30. You'll hear it right here on 103.7 The Game. And Stingley has become acutely ill on Friday night, but the condition was not COVID-related. He wound up going to a local medical facility and is expected to be discharged soon. And he will return to activity after a full evaluation from the medical team. So that's definitely interesting in terms of what's going to happen next for the LSU Tigers if we don't see a guy like Miles Brennan ready to go full gear 
after week one because who knows what's going to happen to him. Again, according to reports, it's not COVID-related, so that is a good thing. That being said, there's a lot of things to talk about in the world of sports, but we always like to start off the show with my thoughts on the biggest storyline or the biggest story in all of sports, something that definitely kind of caught my attention and something I've been thinking about over the last six days is the subject of today's Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. I'll start off by saying this. I've been a Drew Brees apologist for quite a while. And I'll fully admit that now, but all during these 79 seasons, I stood there. And you've heard me say this on Acadiana Sports Station over the last six years of me being here. That I thought Brees was still a serviceable quarterback. He was still great at what he did. But after what I saw on Monday night, I realized there was a certain analogy I had to come up with. And I'll probably get a lot of heat for saying this. But Drew Brees is reminding me a lot of The Undertaker. Why am I bringing up The Undertaker, a pro wrestler, when talking about a quarterback? Well, here's why Brees is a lot like The Undertaker. The last few years, he's looking to go out on the highest note possible, and he's continued to chase that brass ring. Despite his body and the bumps catching up with him. Early on the pandemic, I spent a lot of time watching the Last Ride documentary of The Undertaker, which was fantastic, by the way. It really showed how important Taker needed to have that one great match. He wound up getting it, but it took him years, and he wound up taking so many bumps to the point where he wasn't able to have that true last great match. And it's very much the same in my mind for Drew Brees. Think about it. Brees could have hung up those cleats after the way the 2018 season ended. Because you wound up having one of the best teams in franchise history. Yeah, the the, the the Nola No Call, the screw job of all screw jobs, the Superdome screw job, as I like to call it. He could have hung it up right then and there and just said, you know what? Maybe it's not meant to be a second Super Bowl ring. But he's continued to chase it, and it winds up not necessarily working out in the best way because this team is underwhelmed in a lot of aspects over the years. And I think what we saw on Monday night made me think of his career won't end that way. It might end a lot more similarly to Dan Marino or even Peyton's little brother, Eli Manning, because he wants this thing to end like Peyton Manning's did with a Super Bowl victory over the Carolina Panthers, which, mind you, was a lot more because of the fact that the defense that they had was absolutely fantastic. But we're sitting here in 2020, and we're wondering... What's going on with Drew Brees? You know, I think the biggest legacy that he'll have is all the NFL records he has. He has almost every one of them known to man when it comes to quarterbacking before he hangs it up. He's already got most of them. Now, mind you, those records might be shattered once we see guys like Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson really start to take a stranglehold on the NFL. But that's a different conversation. But I want to say that interception in the second quarter that was the turning point of the contest against the Las Vegas Raiders. It should have never even been attempted. It was the worst pass that I ever saw him attempt. And from that point forward, the Saints lost their mojos. A lot like what Foot talks about, the make it take And to those that think he's washed up, think he's done, I got to agree with you. I have to agree with you. As much as it pains me to say it, 
I've got to agree with each and every one of you. Mind you, the loss falls a lot on the defense with a lot of unacceptable kind of defensive pass interference and tons of calls that shouldn't have been made. Definitely a frustrating performance. But the defense looked absolutely disgusting. You might have needed a barf bag if you went back and watched the All-22 film over the last several days. And if you did, I think you might be a bit of a masochist. Tomorrow night is going to be a real test for the black and gold. If Breeze and crew can come away with the win, I'll start to change my tone a little bit. But I don't think it's going to happen. You're playing one of the stronger all-around teams in the league, and they've been damn good over the last several years in the Green Bay Packers. And they're dominating the NFC North right now. And you don't have those that 12th man kind of mentality that we've seen with the Saints over the years, with the Superdome rocking like it is. You have 750 people in the stands. You're playing against one of the stronger teams in the league and one of the stronger running backs in the entire league in Aaron Jones. Shout out to my fantasy team, the Morning Niners. Thank you for putting up almost 60 points last weekend. But all this being said, I'm starting to think the legacy for Drew Brees could very well be tarnished if he misses the postseason in 2020. That's where it's looking like. Yes, it's week two, as someone said to me on Twitter. But honestly, I've got my takes. I've got my opinions. And I think that's where we're standing right here, right now. Drew Brees won't make the postseason. This team will likely end 7-9. and nine Because, in fact, they've got a really strong out-of-division schedule. You have the Chiefs, you've got the Vikings, and yeah, the Vikings look bad now, but you know that the Vikings step it up whenever it matters the most, and they will play on, and that's going to be a very interesting ball game. But he'll retire after this year. He talks about wanting to let it loose. He hasn't been able to let it loose in a long time, and the Saints will try to pick up the pieces after the last 14 years of his time with Houdat Nation, and that means... I'm definitely concerned about the future of this franchise once Breeze does decide to hang it up. is If the future of this franchise post-Breeze is Taysom Hill getting ready for a lot worse than 7-9 in my mind. I think this team is going to struggle if they let the 31-year-old quarterback, the the old gunslinger, be the onus of this offense. He works best and what he's been able to do over the last couple years. Why in the world do you want to change that? I've been wondering about that for a good while, so hopefully the the Saints can get their act together and try and give Drew Brees the proper send-off. But right here, right now, week two of the 2020 season, getting ready for week three. I think the Saints are starting to run out of time and the legacy of Drew Brees is going to be putting up all those numbers, but only one Super Bowl ring and a lot of frustrating years towards the end of his NFL career. But at the end of the day, the Saints fans will still love him for everything that he did for the community, everything he did for the people. I think that was absolutely going to be the everlasting sign of a team that knows what they're doing. And I cannot wait to see what happens next for the Saints. That's what I got for the Saturday Sports Sermon for you on this Saturday morning. Of course, we got LSU-Mississippi State. You'll hear that right here on 103.7 The Game right now. The Cajuns and Georgia Southern are facing off. And I got to say, right now, Georgia Southern started off with the football. They have been marching down the field 
It is a methodical drive right now. They are actually on. I'm trying to pull this up right now. So one. They've gone about a seven play, about a 13 play drive taking up seven minutes off the clock. That is absolutely huge for the Cajuns to be able to see that kind of performance early on in the contest. 0-0, but Georgia Southern in the red zone right now, and they're setting up for an interesting kind of end of the drive with it being third and two. Georgia Southern just called a timeout. 13-play drive, 0-0, left in the first quarter. About taking up half of the first quarter just on Georgia Southern. That's a big key to victory. No matter which way you slice and dice it, because you look at what I brought up the Raiders game. That was one of the biggest things that I noticed from the Saints. The Saints-Raiders game was the fact that the Raiders used up a lot of clock. They ran a lot of time off of it and ran that T-O-P. That is absolutely key when it comes right down to it. But, of course, we got another great show for you coming up. About another, we got 90 minutes of program time before we get to LSU, Mississippi State, 12.30 pregame, 2.30 kick. Chris Blair and crew are going to take over from there. And then we got the post-game show after that. Trust me, so much LSU, so little time. So make sure you just keep it locked right here on 103.7 The Game. If you're listening on the mobile app, I am sorry for you. I pity the fool. You might just want to get an FM dial and dial it up to 103.7 The Game on the FM dial because you're going to be listening to, you know, CBS Sports. He is will be switching it over, switching it over on the stream. But, you know, it is what it is. Just make sure you keep listening in. We got Ross Jackson coming up at 11.30, bumping him up a little bit because, well, we usually have him on during the second hour. But, obviously, with everything going on, we're kind of having to bump him over and put him back in his old slot. Back when we did the 10 a.m. to noon show, we're now at 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And, of course, we're going to talk about those New Orleans Saints. Is In his mind, is Drew Brees washed up and so much more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Cajuns, Georgia Southern, the Eagles still suffering from some Statesboro Blues right about now because of the fact they came up short, weren't able to cash in on a 15-play, 68-yard drive. So close to being a really nice drive, by the way. Taking up 8 minutes and 9 seconds off the clock. Cajuns have the ball at their own 7-yard line. Going to try and get on the board with a pretty long drive in my book. I mean, 93 yards to get to the end zone. Definitely going to be interesting to see how that goes from here. But what a great performance from the Cajuns defense, holding them off from getting into the end zone on that fourth down play. Shy words getting sacked. Very well done. Want to be able to see that during the commercial break. And, of course, the Twin Peaks hotline is open, 337 706 
But you know, I want to continue a little bit of the pro football conversation because, well, you know, I, it's my show. I can do what I want. But it's also time to kind of look around the league because I've got some thoughts whenever it comes to everything going on in the world of the NFL. And it's definitely been a wild, like, last few weeks when you just look at especially just the last several days with all the injuries that happen. So I'm going to go ahead and give you my picks right here, right now. Put them on wax for you on this Saturday morning involving in the league where they play for pay. Yeah, love when you hear the music there, Jimmy. But, of course, we'll start things off. Sorry, we'll go ahead and start things off looking at Tennessee, Minnesota. The Titans currently three-point favorites. The Vikings aren't looking like a new man. They're looking like an old man. Absolutely underwhelming. 0-2 to start the season. I think there's going to be a lot of heat on that seat. 4-1 Mike Zimmer. Kirk Cousins not necessarily living up to the hype. The offensive line ain't helping matters. Justin Jefferson is on a milk carton. i got to go with the Tennessee Titans rolling in this one. For what it's worth, make sure you check out the enter the Twin Peaks Pro Pick'em Challenge and test your knowledge against guys like me who picked the Miami Dolphins. So happy about that. That's like 15% of you picked the Jet, the Dolphins to win, and I was one of them, so I'm pretty happy about that. But I go go with the Tennessee Titans. Then you got the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the New England Patriots. The past currently six-point favorites in the contest. Give me the Patriots getting the win here. I think the Las Vegas Raiders are a bit of a sham, at least when they're playing on the road. At home, I think the house will always win. A really nice run from Levi Lewis. Just kind of saw it in the corner of my eye. But anyways, go with the Patriots getting the win there. Then we go to the Die Bears taking on the Atlanta Falcons. The Chicago Bears surprisingly 2-0 with Mitch Trubisky. The Atlanta Falcons... Not surprisingly, 0-2 after blowing that big lead against the Dallas Cowboys. I think those Cowboys were yeehawing after that. But the Atlanta Falcons currently three-and-a-half point favorites. Surprise at that line right now. But i got to go with the Atlanta Falcons snapping that 0-2 streak. I want to see nothing but bad things for the Falcons, but it just feels like the Chicago Bears are a wolf in sheep's clothing when it comes to their 2-0 record. Then we got the Cincinnati Bengals. The opening line for this contest is actually plus eight. It's dropped down to four and a half point favorites for the Philadelphia Eagles, who are also open to a battle of winless teams. Give me the edge to the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow sets it off for his first win as an NFL QB. And the Bengals fans know the opposite of pain, and that is pure joy to see their team actually win a ball game. Then we got the San Francisco 49ers. And whoever's left on that team feels like, you know, what's half of 49? It's about whatever they're at right now with the San Francisco 49ers taking on the New York football giant, San Saquon Barkley. It is the Injury Bowl 2020. Some of the most painful eliminations of Week 2 happened in that contest against the Jets. Give me San Francisco. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites. I think we see a guy like Nick Mullins, former Southern Miss quarterback who went off on the cages a few years ago, by the way, in case you forgot about that thing happening. For me, i got to go with the San Francisco 49ers to win that contest. Houston at Pittsburgh. The Steelers, four-point favorites against the Houston Texans. 
I got to go with the Houston Texans pulling off the upset. I think that you look at what the Steelers bring to the table, I'd probably give a slight edge to Houston in this one. Again, it's a four-point spread. Surprise at that. Then you got the Cleveland Browns taking on the Washington football team, both teams one and one, and the Browns are seven-point favorites. Really nice play there from the Cajuns just now. They're getting into enemy territory, and they're making short work of the four minutes left in the first quarter. Still 0-0. L.A. Rams and the Buffalo Bills, one-and-a-half-point favorites. Virtual pick them for this contest between the Bills and the Rams. The Rams team is definitely looking a lot better than they did during their Super Bowl hangover year. Cajuns now in the red zone. But, of course, I got to go with the Buffalo Bills because you say it with me, folks out there in Listerland. No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. The Carolina Panthers and the Los Angeles Chargers squaring off six-and-a-half-point favorites. I got to go with. The, I got to go with the, the Chargers here. I think the Panthers still have a lot of work to do. Later on in the season, I think they can, they'll improve a little bit more. Maybe a lot of the Atlanta Falcons last year. And I think Justin Herbert really looked good in his performance. He's ready to be Wally Pip. When it's all said and done, your guy, I'm a Tyrod Taylor who got stabbed in the lung. I don't know how the hell that happens in 2020. That team doctor is probably getting fired and never having a job again. Maybe he'll work for WWE and give somebody a Z-Pack like crazy. You know, I'm a Dr. Samson, allegedly. But, you know, it's a different conversation for a different day. Meanwhile, the biggest spread of the week, 11.5 point favorites are the Indianapolis Colts against the New York J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 and they S-U-C-K, suck, suck, suck. Sorry, Lewis. They're going to get smoked. That 11.5 point spread, I would take that all day and twice on Sunday. Colts get a big win over the New York Jets, who just absolutely suck. Then you got the Detroit, Ty- Detroit, Detroit Lions, excuse me, taking on the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray and crew 2-0, and and currently... The Cardinals, six-point favorites in the contest. i got to go with the Cardinals getting the win here. The Cardinals just have looked really good this season. I think we're going to start seeing them be a real contender in that NFC West, which is really starting to see the Seahawks and those Cardinals really separate themselves from the pack. Two-and-a-half-point favorites the Seahawks are against the Dallas Cowboys. i got to go with Seattle here. I don't see any miracles happening. Actually, I lied. The Seattle Seahawks are currently five-point favorites. It was two-and-a-half on the opening lines. But still, give me the Seattle Seahawks here. Tampa Bay-Denver, the last of these late-afternoon contests. This was tough for me. This was one of the toughest ones when I filled it in for the Twin Peaks Pro Pick'em Challenge. With Tampa Bay currently six-point favorites in the contest. I want to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because I feel like you look at what the Broncos have. They're garbage right now. You don't have Cortland Sutton. You don't have Von Miller. That team's going to have a whole lot of struggles. I'm surprised the line isn't even higher. I'd say that line is probably going to rise up a little bit more over the next couple days. Then we get to the Green Bay Packers and New Orleans Saints. Saints currently three-point favorites, probably because of the fact it's largely the fact that they are the home team in this contest. 750 fans inside the Superdome, mainly just family and friends. Or family, I should say. But the Saints are going to win this. I think the Packers are going to win this contest. I have them listed on my 
Twin Peaks Pro Pick'em Challenge. As such, make sure you enter in right now at 1037thegame.com. And then we get to the main event, which I'm blown away by when it comes to the over-under. It's three-and-a-half point favorites are the Baltimore Ravens. The over-under is 54-and-a-half. These are two teams that have like high-powered offenses. I got to go with the Kansas City Chiefs getting the win. And I'll take the over. In fact, in my tiebreaker, I have it a very nice 69 points. But that's what all we got here for that segment, looking at the NFL league-wide, giving you my picks, my predictions for week number three of the NFL. And again, we got the Twin Peaks Pro Pick'em Challenge going on right now. If you haven't entered in your picks yet for week number three, you still got plenty of time till tomorrow at high noon. Make sure you get those in because, trust me, it's a competitive league right now. I want to kind of struggling in week number two. Week number two was definitely a rough one for your boy with only 1,100 points compared to your guys like Ben Love who wound up hitting almost every game right, then 1,200 for Lewis, 12 games right for Ray. So I was kind of in the back of the pack. But I think this week I am going to be dominant in the Twin Peaks Pro Pick'em Challenge. Make sure you test your knowledge against these so-called experts like myself and Ben and Ray and Lewis. Even Kevin Foote's in on the action. He's able to figure out all that, Shaws. And we'll talk next with Ross Jackson. Figure out what's going on with the New Orleans Saints and a whole lot more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadia and a sports station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And the Cajuns. My goodness, they just turned over on downs fourth and five and makes you wonder how that wasn't targeting on that fourth down play on an incomplete pass. Oof, not good at all. The team got on the board late in the first quarter currently. 0-0 with 2.42 left in the first players down. We'll try and figure that out. When we come back, we'll talk about that and more. On Under the Dome with CD on 1037 The Game or 1037thegame.com. Even in these trying times, the world-famous CD follows the simple words of Matthew McConaughey. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. So let's kick back and enjoy Under the Dome on 1037 The Game. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Man, this Cajuns game has moved by pretty quickly. Second quarter now all said and done. Third and goal. Georgia Southern's knocking on the doorstep after a 61-yard pass from Shy Words all the way to, I have to say, this is impressive, from Wesley Kennedy, the third 61-yard pass to get them near the red zone. Now they're currently standing at the Georgia Southern, excuse me, the Cajuns four yard, the two yard line, excuse me, third and goal. Second quarter is about to get started, but enough about that. Be as well. We got a guest aboard the Twin Peaks Hotline, and it's our guy Ross Jackson, Locked On Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. Ross, what's going on, man? Oh man, doing very well. Thank you as always for having me on. Uh, hoping the same for you. I actually appreciated the recap of what, what's going on in the Louisiana game right now because as we were on break, I was looking at my phone to see what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'm following that game closely. Oh, trust me. I've here's here's the thing, Ross. Like full disclosure, the last like three weeks since like the fact that the Cages have played at 11 a.m. while I'm getting while I'm on the air, I've had to mm-hmm. have a second laptop, second screen ready at all times yeah. just to keep tabs <laughs> on what's going on involving the Cajuns and be able to kind of give people the updates here on Acadiana Sports Station involving the 19th ranked Cajuns. And obviously we're leading into LSU taking on at Mississippi State. We'll probably talk about that a little bit later. But first mm-hmm. off, obviously, Ross, you know, the Monday Night Football was a tough loss. But did that hurt as bad as maybe uh, maybe the fact that what we saw on Sunday with the way the Falcons pretty much brought some normalcy to this year where there's been absolutely no normalcy blowing the lead like they did really against the glad. Cowboys? I'm really glad that you brought that up because I definitely, after the Monday night game, immediately watched the Falcons game again <laughs> just to help myself feel a little bit better. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that the uh, the Falcons dropping a 20-0 to lead is way worse than what the Saints experienced. Like, at least if you get kind of outplayed, you get kind of outplayed, and there's gamesmanship there. But if you just completely, you know, just give up on the give up on yourselves after a certain point, that's a very different thing. The Julio Jones dropped what would have been a, a sure touchdown. He could have, you know, danced into the end zone if he wanted to, but... Uh, it was that was a thing of beauty just watching all that unfold again. And I remember tweeting like right while they I think it was, they still had the 19 point lead at the time. And I was like, "There's no way they're not really Atlanta's not really about to do this again, are they?" And lo and behold, lo and behold, it was the best thing in the world because I wasn't like watching the entire game. Basically, whenever the Saints aren't playing on Sunday or they're playing the Sunday night game, I am pretty much glued in to NFL Red Zone. I'm pretty much on lock with that. So yep, same. I was able to kind of just tune in just as that onside kick happened. I, like, <laughs> like, why, like, why did they just stand there like it was a, like it was a foul ball wondering if it's going to stay fair or not? This was not the situation. Just touch the football. That was so wild to me because, you know, this has been a team that's been really good in recovering their own onside kick, and that's exactly what you would do if you were recovering the onside kick. I think some of the guys just got confused about what side of the field they were on, who was kicking, what was going on, and what the game situation was. Uh, that was that was absolutely insane. Just to see all, like, I love the freeze frame, like the, the, the screen capture of the moment, of just everyone standing around it watching to see what's going to happen. It, uh, man, that was wild. I'm just waiting for the NFL just to kind of do a whole spin zone on that and just have that be like a PSA image about social distancing. <laughs> just, uh, just Photoshop a bunch of masks on everybody and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just to show, hey, you know, them. I mean, you could definitely kind of do that considering the fact that you've had to fine coaches and teams upwards of a million dollars after right. week two, which is like, all right, let's just, let's just. Go ahead and start this off with the fines. Is it too much? The yeah. two hundred fifty thousand for the team, one hundred thousand for the play, for the coach. It's a ton. I mean, I I get why they do it. I mean, like they have to stay. They have to keep their message consistent, right? Like the whole message around playing football in a pandemic is around. We have the appropriate safety protocols. We're going to be able to do it safer than anybody else. We have the resources, so on and so forth. And so I, I understand the fine. The amounts, though, are just wild. I mean, $250,000, that's a quarter of a million dollars to the organization. And then an additional $100,000 to the individual coaches, that's just a ton of money. And I, 
I don't know. I hope that's all going toward the salary cap next year or something, because otherwise, I I, I don't know what you're doing with that or where that's going or, or whatever. I've always been kind of curious about that myself. But like, where does the fine money go for the NFL? What do they use that money for? But it's a ton. Of, it's I mean, that's a ton of cheddar. It's a ton of cheddar. And before we kind of continue the conversation, Ross, talking right now, Ross Jackson, Locked On Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. Georgia Southern just took a seven nothing lead, two yard touchdown run from K- from JD King to take the early lead early on in the second quarter. That, that that was a wild second drive for them after the way they put together like a fifteen play drive. It just took them five plays, highlighted by that sixty one yard pass we were just talking about. But looking at those, uh, bring up those fines. You know what? I, here's what I immediately thought about when that happened: is how mm-hmm. like. I'm going to go pro wrestling here for a minute here is that back in like when they usually have like a a situation where they have to at least make it seem like they're finding people an adequate amount of money or just some absurd amount. It's usually around the hundred thousand dollar range. I think that's like the the kayfabe Mm. fine to where they're probably finding, let's say all these teams like a 10th of that, like $10,000 just to kind of like they're they're saying a hundred thousand just to make sure people aren't like, Oh, Hey, you should be finding these guys more because they're, breaking the protocol right like there's there's an outward facing number and then there's an inward facing yeah. process that drops that to 10 percent. yeah i could totally see that video because I, here's my other part of it too is that like and, and i guess you can't be right none of the coaches from what i've seen who would individually have been fined a hundred thousand dollars keep in mind that like um a, a hit that's declared dangerous on the field is usually somewhere between 16 to thirty-five thousand dollars so not even close to $100,000. Yeah. And so I haven't seen any of the coaches really get upset about it or anything like that. Like Coach Payton was asked about it, and he was like, you know, I just have to be better. You know, it's at lapse of judgment. I forget. I pull it down when I'm when I'm coaching the offense. I have to pull it back up when, when they're on defense, all sorts of stuff. And everyone's just really been kind of cool and calm-headed about it. So I do wonder if there's some kind of, like, behind-the-doors, you know, agreement that, yes, this is the outward-facing number, but this process automatically kicks in when that fine happens, and therefore you only actually have to pay this much. That's a, a curious thought, actually. It's it's wild to think that they threw that much money on on the table for this. Again, like it could be just a whole different conversation in terms of what actually is happening behind closed doors. I'm just at least mm-hmm. throwing that conspiracy theory out there because that's what I like to do. But when it, but um, uh, I think when it comes down to it, we need to kind of look at this matchup that from this past Monday with the Saints, mm-hmm. and it felt like Drew Brees just could not get into a rhythm. And you look at what he did the week before against the Tampa Bay Bucks; it just wasn't the same old. What do you think that Drew Brees, even though he wants to say he's going to let it loose, hasn't quite been able to do that? Yeah, I think maybe Drew. I think maybe Drew and and us just have a different definition of what "let it loose" means. <laughs> you know, for us, "let it loose" means you know he's going to try to get it downfield more. You're going to see more of those twenty plus yard shots and things like that. And for Drew, perhaps "let it loose" just simply means that you know he's willing to to take you know to take it uh, to sort of take responsibility uh, as a passer in the game. In that, like, if he needs to take over the game, he's willing to to take over the game and things like that, or at least try to. The thing that was so uh, sort of frustrating about Monday night's game is that what you saw wasn't Drew Brees that struggled to push the ball down the field because that doesn't really matter. Like, the Saints haven't pushed the ball down the field in three winning seasons so far, three double-digit winning seasons so far. But the issue for me was watching the inability for the offense to be able to execute the things that they're usually really efficient in, like their efficiency, their accuracy, ball placement, 
yards after catch, things like that. We did see a little bit of yards. Traquan Smith showed up in the yards after catch category. Deontay, Deontay Harris looked really good there, too. But I think that what was so concerning around that game was this is an offense that's predicated on attacking the short and intermediate area, and they had trouble just doing that from the passing standpoint in terms of ball placement and accuracy. And so I, I, I look at that and I think, you know, those are the things that are most concerning about the performance that we saw on Monday for me. But I'm still waiting to see exactly what the I'm going to let it loose talk is really all about. Because at the same time, he said the other day as well that, you know, air yards don't win games, and that's not what he's there to do. He's there to execute an offense. So, okay, so where was the, the let it fly? You know, where does that come into conversation? Um, so, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. They have been dialing up more plays down the field. I mean, if you go back, as, you know, I go back and I watch the film and everything, and, and you can see those plays develop down the field. But, unfortunately, they're just longer developed plays, and Drew likes to get the ball out of his hands quicker than that. And so, right now, that part of the game plan may be what he was looking for at the beginning of the year. They just haven't found the rhythm with it yet. So right now, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. Looking at the matchup tomorrow night, Saints-Packers, which you hear right here on 103.7 The Game, thanks to Westwood One's coverage of the NFL. What do you think about the, what's the biggest key for the, for the New Orleans Saints to get the win? Yeah, I think that it comes down twofold. Um, over on the offensive side, it has to be about execution. Um, Coach Payton talked a couple of days ago about some of the other things that are happening around the offense, and Drew Brees spoke to this too. Uh, and, and this is something that we've sort of been talking about in our media coverage of it as well, about making sure that we're not just like pointing the finger at Drew Brees and saying this is all Drew Brees' fault, that there's a, a, a multitude of things that are going on around the offensive side. Spacing in terms of routes and cluttering areas with defenders, that's been an issue. The Saints' offensive line has been a bit of an issue, not necessarily in terms of the amount of pressure they're allowing. They're allowing right around the same amount of pressure that Drew Brees has faced the first two games of the last three years. <clears throat> but, you know, you look at the offensive line not getting throwing lanes open and spacing along the offensive line being an issue, timing being an issue between Drew Brees and the receivers, which is affected as well by the offensive line and throwing windows and, 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 and sort of like these places where Drew Brees can see. Um, those are all things that have to get cleaned up. And so I think that execution is the thing. They have the game plan, and the game plan wasn't bad. The play calling and everything wasn't bad Monday night. It was just the execution wasn't necessarily there. So you want to see that over on the offensive side. On the defensive side, it's just about not it's, – it's about being able to counteract the game plan. They had a lot of trouble counteracting the, the Las Vegas game plan last week because the only defender that they had that was able to keep up with Darren Waller during that game, which Darren Waller is a fantastic tight end, but the only defender that was able to keep up with him was DeMario Davis. But if you had DeMario Davis single in on him and focus down on him, then you open up the rest of the second level because DeMario Davis is your best coverage linebacker in the zones. And so that ended up causing a lot of trouble because once that happened, then you saw Las Vegas start completing over the middle to their wide receivers. Las Vegas wide receiver didn't have their first catch until four minutes left in the second quarter. Everything went through. Darren Waller, Ingold, or Josh Jacobs for the first quarter and 10 minutes. And so I think that's the other part of it for them over on the defensive side is just making sure that they are able to adjust their game plan in a way that still benefits them depending upon what they need to, what they need to do to limit Aaron Rodgers and that Green Bay offense, which most of its firepower comes from the outside, which is a better matchup for the Saints than the you know, in-line tight end. We've been doing a lot of Cajuns updates throughout this interview, Ross. 
what what's your thoughts on him? Uh, like, what made you kind of want to be interested in seeing this kind of keeping keeping track of this ball game over in the? Oh, I know you're out there in the West Coast now, but obviously you're New Orleans mm-hmm. native. But what made you kind of want to keep tabs on this game? Yeah, I mean, I always do. I, I you know I keep track with you know my my uh, stepfather. He played at uh, ULL, so I always keep up with them. Um, you know, I lived in the Acadiana area for a while, so I always kept up with uh, Louisiana as well and the Raging Cajun. It's just, you know, I, I've been around Louisiana enough throughout my lifetime that I've just developed a fandom for any Louisiana team. <laughs> I, I, I can <laughs> get that. So I've always done it. Yeah, I've always done it. When did your stepdad play for you? I didn't, like, we've talked for so long, I, didn't ever, I never realized that. Uh, I was there, let's see, I lived in, uh, you're, you're talking about when I was in Acadiana? Well, I was, I was talking about when your stepdad played for the Cajuns. Oh yeah, he played. Well, he played at. Um, he played with. Uh, I'm sorry, Louisiana Tech. My bad. He played okay. with Louisiana Tech. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he was. Uh, yeah, and that was. I mean, in the. Oh, that was in the probably. That was Terry, uh, Terry Bradshaw time. He was Terry Bradshaw Center, or really, he was Phil Robertson Center first, yeah. and then he became. Uh, <laughs> yeah, never, <laughs> never forget Center. Phil Robertson was there, and then he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and and focus on hunting and fishing and all that stuff, and then let Terry Bradshaw. Rack up the Super Bowl wins with them, uh, the, the the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's right. Hi, <laughs> Ross. Thank you so much. My stepdad always talked about, like, hey, Phil Robertson was the better quarterback, too. <laughs> that's, that's that's all I've heard is how good he was as a quarterback. I, I mind you, that's right. way before my time. And obviously, I don't think there were, like, all 22 film of that game that we can kind of see. Maybe the NFL could release that this year. Yeah, right. <laughs> But, Ross, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you next week at the same regular time we normally have you on at 1230. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it, man. I'll talk to you next week. Be safe. All right, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast, Canal Street Chronicles, confusion between ULL and La Tech. It happens. We're going to take a quick timeout, give you an idea of what I want to say. see hit the bricks. I think Sunday officiating is going to be on that list. Back after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. Rates subject to change. Pay 1.875% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. And MLS number 3030. The numbers don't lie. Because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. And they spell disaster for you as sacrifice. Now let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk on Acadiana's Sports Station. 1037, The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. 9.25 left in the con- in the second quarter. I should say not the contest. Second quarter for the Cajuns and Georgia Southern. It's tied up 7-7. 10-yard touchdown by one Trey Regis to tie things up near in halftime for that contest. Real quick, too. But we'll go real quick with what's going on and what's really frustrating me in the world of sports. And trust me, not much is really frustrating me in the world of sports now, but trust me. I've got some things that have definitely made me a little vexed. There's a lot of things that frustrates the famous CD on a daily basis. I got a lot of problems with you people. Let's let the man breathe and tell you what needs to hit the bricks. All right, first off, we got to say, you know, NCAA, hit the bricks. Hit the bricks, pal. Why am I saying the NCAA needs to hit the bricks? Well, a lot of different reasons, but one in particular this week definitely has me burnt up and I gotta say it's the fact that we're sitting here in 2020 and there's a chance where a winless team like UL Monroe could make the New Orleans Bowl or some other bowl game that's right no win requirements in the NCAA give everybody a participation trophy 
whatever you could, just cut some of those bowl games. But, you know, I understand you got to make money. But at the end of the day, it's still not a great look. Hit the bricks, pal. Wrong button push there. Here we go. Next up, we got to go with the man they call Colin Cowherd. Hit the bricks, pal. I say Colin Cowherd when I really mean the sports radio Sheldon Cooper. Earlier this week, he decided to let his take be known about backwards hats. He's saying how, like, wearing a backwards hat is unprofessional and all that stuff. It's like whenever you meet a CEO. Let's be honest. Whenever you're meeting a CEO, odds are you're probably not wearing a hat in 2020. You're probably just going to be out there rocking a suit, looking nice. You're not going to be out there, you know, looking like a bro who just left the frat house. You'll be looking quite dapper. At least it's what I would hope. But obviously... Your boy, Colin Cowherd, the sports radio Sheldon Cooper. I can say a lot more words that start with the letter S, but I like my job. But you know what, Cowherd? You can always hit the bricks. Hit the bricks, pal. And I'll also bring up Sunbelt officiating for one specific reason. This actually happened before the commercial break. It was a third down attempt for the Cajuns, and they wound up calling off the play. It was going to be a touchdown run for Trey Reyes. And the play was called off after they decided to, hey, let's review the fumble. The player was down by contact. And it was clear as day that Imani Bailey was down by contact. But they decided, oh, wait, we're going to go ahead and put it under further review. And then it was confirmed. And then you had two, an offsides and then a false start back-to-back, which was just absolutely nuts to think about. But, you know, it is what it is. But that definitely... Needs to hit the bricks. Hit the bricks, pal. But now, you know, hour one is done. Hour two, the shortest half hour you'll ever hear me talk and rant and rave and talk about everything involved in the world of college football. It's coming up next. So make sure you keep it locked right here on Acadia and a Sports Station 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Getting you that much closer to LSU, Mississippi State, Hunt Palmer, Brandon Taylor, Marlon Fave, right? Hello, somebody. We're going to get you to that at 1230. But in the meantime, you still got me. You still got me, the world-famous CD, for about another 30 minutes. Back after this on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. take a walk on the wild side get your saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous cd do you know who i am i don't know how to put this but i'm kind of a big deal on 103.7 the game finally the code foe has come back to unknown and that must mean that finally sec football is back and I'm absolutely looking forward to it. LSU, Mississippi State, obviously, is the one I'm most concerned about. Because, Tibor, we got a lot of things to talk about, especially about those Mississippi State Bulldogs. 
Mogo decided to show up. Now, who in the blue hell are you? So tell me, what is your name? It doesn't matter what your name is. They call you the pirate, but you ain't no pirate. I don't see no peg leg. I don't see no eye patch. All that matters is this. Coming up tonight, or should I say this afternoon, when LSU takes on Mississippi State in front of the millions of the Tiger Faithful. We're going to give you a bit of a housewoman gift, Mike. We're going to give you this. And make sure you enjoy it. Take good care of it. Here's what I want you to do with this gift. It's going to be a nice little box. We'll give it to you before the game. And I want you to shine that box up real nice. I want you to make sure that thing is looking spotless. And then you take it over to KJ Costello and you tell him to turn that sideways. And then you give it to Kylan Hill. And then he goes ahead and shoves it all up your candy asses. That's how we go do things because you're a bunch of Rudy Poos and some jabronis. KJ Costello, Elvis Costello, Pelvis Costello, I don't care who you are. There ain't no way you beating the Tigers tonight. If you smell what the foe is cooking. And what a great start to hour two of Under the Dome, the shortest half hour of Under the Dome with CD, with the coach foe returning to the program after an extended absence. Coach was out, getting ready to go ahead and try and enjoy some LSU football. So I said, you know what, why don't you record a quick promo for us, and then we will get down to what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning, just as he would want us to do. And again, appreciate the coach foe for getting in the getting on the mic, getting on the stick, and talking for a little bit about what's going on with those LSU Tigers. And some news just came out not long ago, but right before the show went on the air, involving Derek Stingley Jr. He is out for this contest after being in the hospital. And according to Deputy Athletic Director, Executive Deputy Athletic Director, excuse me, Virg Osberry, friend of the station, said during a interview just a little while ago that Derek Stingley Jr. had an episode last night and went to the hospital, but everything has been positive since. So, again, looking likely, this is not going to be a situation. It's not a COVID thing. It's basically, oh, hey, it's preparing for him hopefully being A-OK. And I think he will be. I think he is going to be 100% okay. Now it's just all about what happens next week and the next week. Does he have other episodes? We'll see. But hopefully he is A-OK when it's all said and done. But LC will be playing later today without a lot of different players. And Derek Stingley Jr., that's a huge loss for a team that's already suffered a lot of losses due to the draft eligibility and everything in between. So hopefully, you know, you're getting ready to kick back and enjoy a great Saturday of college football because we've got a lot of it going on right now with the SEC. They are back today. And, in fact, they got a several games that have already started or in the process of kind of ongoing. I'll give you an idea of what's going on across the slate of college football. And I'll say this. This is probably one of the best weekends because now the, the appetizers are over. The main courses are here. And it's officially time to hear that music once again today.
Hearing those tunes just absolutely amps you up unlike any other. The SEC on CBS, that's where the Tigers are going to be at 2.30 kickoff. But looking across the SEC, you've already got several games on tap, and they've started already. Like Florida Ole Miss, surprisingly, the Ole Miss Rebels and Florida Gators tied up 14-all. 7.29 left in the second quarter. The Gators just got the football after a punt by Mac Brown with 49 yards down at the Gators. 22-yard line, 22. Oh, man. Meanwhile, the Tigers and Kentucky, the Auburn Tigers, taking on the Kentucky Wildcats late in the second quarter. Four minutes, 20 seconds left. It's a pretty nice time left before halftime. And you have Auburn up 8-7. Weird score to say the least. And then you have Kentucky has possession after a punt by Oscar Chapman. Obviously, those are the two games going on right now. Involving the SEC teams, obviously Cajuns are taking on Georgia Southern. The 19th-ranked Cajuns looking to go 3-0, and tied at 7 apiece. And that has been in a hotly contested one near in halftime of that contest, 235. And counting left on the clock, looking at the Big 12, Oklahoma beating on Kansas State, 14 nothing. But again, we're going to jump around look at the SECs, what's going to be going on later today, including... Obviously, what's going on in the Conference of Dixie has been going on in Tiger Stadium. LSU, Miss, LSU Mississippi State going to start at 2.30. Then at 3 o'clock, fourth-ranked Georgia taking on the Arkansas Razorbacks. The Sam Pittman era begins in earnest tonight, this afternoon, against the Georgia Bulldogs, a team that looks to try and regain some footing in the SEC East. And then 6 o'clock, Eli Drinkwitz might start drinking after the first quarter of this contest. Because who boy, over-under for this one is 56. Alabama 29-point favorites over Mizzou. Eli Drinkwitz debut. Then we got Jimbo Fisher leading the Aggies at 6.30 against the Vanderbilt Commodores. And then we cap it all off with Tennessee, 16th-ranked Tennessee. Can the Volunteers live up to the hype, taking on Will Muschamp and the South Carolina Gamecocks? We're going to jump over to the Sun Belt for a little bit because we've got some fun ball games, interesting ball games too. 13-7 right now. Campbell is taking the lead with 5 minutes, 21 seconds left until halftime. And it looks like things aren't necessarily going that well for the Mountaineers so far this season. Could the Cajuns finally do it? In the Rock, not this week, but next week. Because we've got that primetime match, we've got a Wednesday night. That's be dynamite. Then you've got UTEP, Hugh Monroe playing at 2.30. Can the Warhawks get the first win against a UTEP team who is currently 2-1 on the season? Texas State, 1-2, taking on Boston College. Boston College, 20.5-point favorites. I'm surprised at that line. And then we got a little Pac-12 after dark, kind of, sort of. It's a little bit of a tease. Troy taking on BYU in Provo, Utah, a 9.30 kickoff. So trust me, if you want to have some, like, Pac-12-esque after dark, this is as close as you're going to get. Some other Big 12 games of note I brought up Oklahoma earlier. Of course, we got to bring up Iowa State TCU coming up at 12.30 kickoff. 2.30 kickoff, same time. As LSU Mississippi State, I know there's going to be some people who might be flipping the channel back and forth, maybe get two screens so they can watch them both. Texas, Texas Tech, 
That is be one hell of a ball game over on Fox. And then you got West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Can Couch Burning Country beat up Mike Gundy's crew, who is currently 1-0, one of the few Big 12 teams to kind of win when college football was really getting started. And that's going to be a 2.30 kickoff. Then we, it all wraps up with Les Miles and the Kansas Jayhawks taking on the Baylor Bears, 6.30 kickoff. So a lot of great college football, and it's great to finally have it back. And it, I'm just saying, like, having the SEC back means like football is like fully blown back. And it's nice to see, you know, I was bringing up some of the spreads and the lines for these contests. Looking at Mississippi State, that's changed a lot from the opening line. It was 19.5 point spread opening line on Monday, on Sunday, excuse me. That line's dipped down significantly. And that line at last check was about 15. Also, some lines were about 14.5 points. So this line has definitely dropped a good bit. I can only imagine how much more it's changed with the news I brought up earlier today with Derek Stingley Jr. now out for the contest against the Mississippi State Bulldogs and how that changes your game plan, how that changes your preparation for a contest against a team that you just don't know a whole heck of a lot about. You know, there's a lot of questions surrounding the LSU Tigers. If you have some questions or you just want to, or you have some predictions, put them on the table. 337-706-0111. The Twin Peaks Hotline is open. I'm here to take your takes, not shine them up real nice and turn them sideways. I'm here to take them and give my own takes on LSU. And I think LSU has every chance to do some amazing things this year. In fact, I think they have a chance to do what many people don't think is possible. And I'm an eternal optimist. But I was able to vote for the All-SEC preseason All-SEC amongst the media. And I've got my results. I got my votes right here. Luckily, I was able to save it to PDF, and I was holding it off to talk about here. And my my votes were as follows when it comes to quarterback. I have Miles Brennan as my number two quarterback in that list because I think he is going to look absolutely outstanding. I think Bo Nix to be right behind him in my book when it comes to the voting and how things look when it's all said and done concerning the All SEC at the end of the year. But I think I think LSU has a chance to win the SEC title again this year for the second straight season. And I think a lot of it is going to have to rely on the play of Miles Brennan and the play of this offensive line led by a guy like Ed Ingram. He is going to be absolutely crucial for this team. And more importantly, the defensive side of the football is going to have to be well ahead of the offense. And you look at the talent they have, Jabril Cox, a guy who was kind of snubbed for a lot of different votes. I'd have to say, give them the edge. But don't be surprised. Do not. Be surprised if you see Alabama as one of the strong contenders. Everybody always votes for Alabama, but it feels like they almost vote for Alabama out of fear of persecution by certain people in the media. For me, I am going to go with LSU winning the SEC title when it's all said and done. Hopefully, I'm right. I'm interested to see if that's going to stick, but we shall see. Right now, Cajun's still currently tied up with those Georgia Southern Eagles, 7-7 with 2.13 left. Cajuns have the ball, but they're at about the 20-yard line, second and 10. Hopefully they can kind of 
have a little, as Kevin Foote likes to say, make it take it ball and score a touchdown before half because they'll have the ball to start off the second half. Levi Lewis getting a nice run going. It'll be third and relatively short. I think it'll be about third and three, third and four, somewhere along those lines. So we'll see if they can pull off a good two-minute drill. Maybe at least get a field goal on the board. That'd be great. But I think you'd much rather a touchdown. But without a guy like Chris Smith who wound up being checked on, who had a hell of a run during the while well, I was talking with Ross Jackson earlier, which in case you missed that, we'll have that for you up on 1037thegame.com before long. And again, appreciate you listening in however you're doing so. Because trust me, we got a lot of different ways to listen in in 2020. Because obviously, maybe not all of us are in our cars. Not all of us are like out and about. Some of us are staying at home now. We're staying at home a lot more. There are several different ways to listen to us. Obviously, if you have a radio, the FM dial is the place to be. The Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey, sky's the limit, space is the place. Ooh, yeah. That's how we're going to do things on a Saturday morning, each and every day, I'd say. I have a clock radio in the house, and I usually put it on, especially on Sundays, so I can have all my NFL coverage. I've come covered because I've got TVs with whip-around coverage, red zone, you name it. I've got all that. And then I've got my radio. But also, we have this little thing that you might use more often than not, a phone. And the phone has a free mobile app iPhone, Android, what have you. Make sure you download that bad boy. It's free to download, and it's a small app. So it's not like, oh, hey, you're having to delete a bunch of apps to get this thing to be on there. It's a small, compact app, and if you download it, you can listen to us for free wherever you go. If, oh, man, what an interception for the Georgia Southern Eagles. That was almost an arm punt at that for Levi Lewis and the make-it-take-it dream is ruined. Now a minute 19 left. Georgia Southern has the ball. Reynard Ellis intercepted the pass. Just a really bad, you know, op- really bad situation there. They could have had to make it, take it, and really start to kind of put the throat, put their foot on the throat of the Eagles and tell them to take it easy a little bit further down the, ro- down the road. But again, going back to what I was saying, you got the mobile app, you got the FM dial, the Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour. We've also got smart speakers. 2020, we have smart speakers in the household. And all you got to do is tell it to play 103.7 the game, like Alexa or Google Home, whatever. I'm not going to say the words because I've also got a Android. Full disclosure, I've got an Android phone. And anytime I say, hey, Google, this thing goes crazy. That's why I had a little gap between it. Just to make sure this phone did not trigger off because then I would it would have just gone crazy. Because, for instance, I'm going to go ahead and do it now because I, I feel like having a little fun here. Hey, Google, what's the score for the Cajuns game? And it's, it's probably not even going to come up. Nope. All right. Whatever. I'm just going to have fun with it, and I was hoping it, the voice would pop up. Because I've had from time to time this thing be triggered with the liner that we have at the top of the hour sometimes with the smart speaker, which is really funny sometimes because I have to hurry up and quickly turn it off. But it's been hit or miss lately. Even my voice sometimes just doesn't necessarily – Wake up and say, hey, I'm here. What do you want? But, of course, you can listen to us a bunch of different ways, and we've got so much to get to. So little time. Obviously, LSU-Mississippi State, the pregame show coming up in a little bit. For me, i got to go with LSU getting the win here. I've got the Packers winning Sunday Night Football. I hope the Cajuns win, but, man, it's not looking great. This team is starting to struggle a little bit, and 
I hate to say it, I would love for the Cajuns to stay in that top 25. But unless you see a lot of of teams drop off that top 25 in like quick fashion this week, it's looking likely they'll be bounced out. And it's not because of bad play. It's all because of the fact that they're going to be bumped out by some of your better teams across the league. He's got the Big Ten coming over. The Pac-12, two weeks' time. There's a lot of different players that are going to be in there, and teams are going to be coming back. They're going to push the Cajuns out of that top 25. I'd love for them to stay in the top 25 all season long. But it's just not looking good. If they wound up winning handily against Georgia State last week and not winning in a wild overtime game, then I'd say there's a conversation to say, hey, this is a team that's going to wind up like dominating and probably going to set themselves up for a lot of success. But that wasn't the case. All right, that's about enough when it comes to that talk. I got one final take for you, and it's more about what's going on in the MLB ranks that makes me wonder what the hell is going on over there. We'll talk about that next right here on 103.7 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Back after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. All right, before I get to my final take, my goodness, what a play from Acadiana High Zone. Braylon Trahan interception on Shy Words late in that the second quarter potentially setting up a field goal or maybe at least give it an opportunity for a touchdown. You're right about midfield, so you're probably just going to go for a deep deep ball here, about where you were to end that previous drive. And I don't like the fact you got the sun kind of, or a shadow throwing shade on this contest. And what, whoa, what a, was that a pass? Was that good? Oh, and that was a completion to Peter LeBlanc. Wow. Five seconds left. They got to hurry up and spike that football. It's a great play right there. So well done. But enough about the Cajuns game for now. Looks like they're going to try and get that field goal head to half up 10 to 7. Talk about that. Hopefully next week the Cajuns are 3 and 0. But my final take of the week is about those Miami Marlins, a team that everybody counted out from Jump Street. Then again, that's atypical of us to count out the team before they're even dead. And I that is a justifiably so. You look at their past record. They have been absolutely awful. But now we sit here in 2020. And now we know that the team that everybody's been talking about for a good while is setting itself up, you know, to say, hey, we're back for one year. Because they got lucky. They punched their ticket to the postseason last night for the first time since 2003. That's 17 years, folks. I was 14 years old the last time this happened. That's right. 14 years old the last time the Marlins made the World Series. And they have a chance to do it again. Now everybody's going to say, you know, why do you think they have a chance to do it again? Well, the last time, the only two times they've been in the postseason – 
They won the pony. They won the whole damn thing, or like in Major League, the whole Censored for Radio thing. There's a chance where 2020 is just a weird place, and it further proves this year is cursed. The fact that the Miami Marlins are top dogs, are big dogs in the MLB and playing in the postseason. A word I never thought I'd say in 2020, but then again, there's a lot of words I didn't expect to be saying all the time. Like COVID-19 was not in my dictionary, was not in the bingo cards for 2020. Cajuns ranked wasn't in my top 20 words I was going to say this year. I was hoping, but, you know, it is what it is. Then you got, you know, and another missed field goal by Nate Snyder. Kenny Almadaris is out for this contest. Who boy. That's what I got to say about that. Cajuns tied 7-7 at the half. Oh, boy. Just, man. I'm shaking my head. That was absolutely disappointing as I'll get out. So it's a field goal at the half. But again, just another sign that 2020 is cursed. The Miami Marlins. The Derek Jeter-led Miami Marlins. The Marlins who have just absolutely sucked for years now they have a chance. They're in contention. They are in contention to be atop the world of baseball once again. And you know what? I'm in a good mood. Let's play this just once before we get out of here. Let's play ball. It's game We want strikeouts, base hits, double plays. Take the field, hear the roar of the crowd. Come on, Marlins, make us brand. Thank you, Scott Stapp, for making that song, and it's still in my head to this very day. But I'm about to get out of here because we got LSU, LSU football, LSU Mississippi State starting the season off right. And it's right here, as always, on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Talk to you next week whenever we don't have the cages at 11 a.m. They don't play at all. And then you got LSU late that night. So we had so much to talk about. I have a full two hours into sweet hours. So peace out, everybody. Hey, Clavis. Wake up. The show's over. Oh, yeah. Kick it.